This episode of the Case for Safety podcast is sponsored by Safety 2023. Join us for Safety 2023, June 5th through the 7th in San Antonio to check out our new Career Advancement Center designed to help safety professionals at every phase of their career and connect them with the resources they need. Meet with companies that are hiring, connect with other safety professionals, join roundtable discussions, and even receive a professional headshot at our digital headshot station. Learn more and register at safety.assp.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Case for Safety podcast. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Thank you for joining us today for a conversation about safety and health considerations for pregnant workers and an important piece of legislation on the horizon aimed at addressing some of those considerations. Joining me for that conversation, I'm very pleased to welcome Rachel Walla-Hausman. Rachel is a certified safety professional and safety consultant with Ally Safety. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I'm excited to be here and to be having this conversation because it's big news and it's important news. Absolutely. Really excited to be talking to you. So I thought we could start by talking about pregnancy in the workplace safety tips, and then we'll get into the legislation in just a little bit and kind of give uh, listeners some ideas about you know how to work safely while pregnant, some activities and exposures to avoid and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So to just give everybody a little bit of context here, um, I've been in the safety industry for 12 years now. And last year I got pregnant and it was my first time, you know, like dealing with pregnancy in an industrial environment. And of course, I've interacted with other women who are pregnant at work in our work sort of in like unusual work situations. But this was my first time really dealing with it firsthand. And for those of you who have been pregnant or maybe had a lot of experience with pregnant women, as soon as you get pregnant, you get this huge list of like things you can't eat and things you shouldn't do anymore. And it's quite overwhelming. And then when it comes to the workplace, there's very little information, if any. I actually had a difficult time finding any. And especially for the industrial world or a construction site, there's just not much out there. So I did some research for my YouTube channel to try to provide information for other women who are pregnant out there who are probably going through some of the same confusing things as me. So there were a couple things that we found that were pretty standard that were important to talk about. And first and foremost was don't fall prey to pressure. So when you're pregnant, there's a lot of stereotypes about pregnancy and none of us want to be the one who's slacking off and is causing more work for others. So a lot of times pregnant women will try to overcompensate by doing as much or more than usual just to show that they're still committed to their work, that they're still a functioning member of the team. And so they're pushing through a lot of difficulties and uncomfortable situations just to show that performance. And what we found is those stereotypes, if they're kind of playing on your mind and causing you to push too hard, lead to workplace accidents. So that's a big one to be aware of. The next is to know the chemical hazards you may encounter. Now, like I was talking about, there's a ton of foods you can't eat that seem relatively harmless, you know, eggs with runny yolks, lunch meat, limit your caffeine, all these different things, but nobody talks about what to look out for in chemicals. 
So what you want to do is know the chemical hazards you may encounter. And that's as simple as being comfortable with looking up your company's safety data sheets or SDSs. And when you look those up, you want to look for a couple things. Look in the section two hazard identification, look for reproductive toxins, embryotoxins, which are especially concerning during the first trimester, and teratogens. And then the next thing is, if you work somewhere where you may be exposed to radiation, say you work in a dental office where they do a lot of x-rays, or you work anywhere that, that has any sort of radiation in the industrial world, you have to do what's called declaring your pregnancy. Now, this is really uncomfortable for some people because this is an official declaration and you want to do it before you've even told friends and family that you're pregnant. So early on in that first trimester, when you first find out you're pregnant, because the thing is your dose of radiation that's allowed during pregnancy is much, much lower than the average worker can be exposed to. And the example of that is during pregnancy, your radiation dose has to stay under 500 milliram for the total pregnancy versus when you're not pregnant, it's 5,000 for an entire year. So you can see like, this is a huge difference. And if you're not really well informed about it, you don't know you need to declare this. And also it's uncomfortable to make the formal declaration, but make sure you do it. And then the last couple of things to talk about are lifting. Um, of course, you're going to have less lifting capacity. Part of that is just because of the body mechanics of being pregnant. Your balance is way off <laughs> and just uh, carrying things in front of you becomes much more uncomfortable during the later trimesters. You're also more susceptible to certain musculoskeletal disorders, especially carpal tunnel syndrome. So keep that in mind. And then the fatigue that you feel can be quite severe and can cause you to make more mistakes and lead to accidents. So those are all things that I learned during this process that I needed to be more aware of and more careful of. And I put out a video to talk about it more on YouTube and kind of give some people some starting points. Because in my case, as a safety pro, I hadn't really had to deal with this firsthand that much. And then um, so many people are just unaware of that the challenges. If you've never been pregnant before, it's hard to really right. identify what people are going through. You talked about, you know, making your employer aware of this really early on in the process. And we'll, we'll talk about, kind of, you know, reasonable accommodations and things like that a little bit later. But in, in those conversations with your employer, should that be, you know, this is my my situation, I'm pregnant and kind of working with your employer, you know, to figure out you know, how accommodations can be made to, you know, help keep you and your baby safe throughout your pregnancy? Yeah, so... It's good to keep your employer involved talking about your pregnancy and let them know early on. Of course, that is kind of uncomfortable because there's always the possibility of miscarriage or complications right. like that. But the the sooner that you feel comfortable letting them know, the better. But the thing is, your employer's not going to be the be-all, end-all expert on what your specific limitations may be and what accommodations you need. That's something that you really need to work with with your personal physician mm -hmm. and make sure that they're in charge of that. Because um, as people who have been pregnant and had multiple pregnancies know, it can be very different from one pregnancy to the sure. next. And we don't really want employers put in the place where they're assuming every pregnant woman needs this specific accommodation. Mm -hmm. And the Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978 actually prohibits employers from doing too much in that way. So make sure that the first conversation is with your doctor and get them involved and involve your employer in that sort of triangle. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, kind of taking that information from your doctor and relaying that to your employer. This is what my doctors say, you know, I can and can't do, you know, the exposures I need to avoid and that type of thing. Absolutely. 
Hey, now, um, I uh, I mentioned at the top there, uh, along uh, with the safety tips, there's also an important piece of legislation on the horizon aimed at, you know, addressing some of these issues and providing uh, uh, pregnant workers with reasonable accommodations. And that is the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. So I wonder if we could you know, take some time to give li- listeners, you know, an overview of the act and what it's trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. So this act is going to go into effect on June 27th of 2023. So it's not very far away and we need people to be aware of it and what it's going to affect. So it applies to any company with 15 employees or more, and it's a civil rights law. And what it does is it requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations. Now, when we talk about reasonable accommodations, they're going to be things that parallel the Americans with Disabilities Act. So think of things like light duty, lifting limitations, rest, the ability to keep a water bottle at your station, things like having a chair available, you know, sort of those things that seem like very minimal, but are a huge, important accommodation when you're pregnant. And this might seem like something that didn't really need to be passed. But the thing was, before this was passed, all that we really had for protections was the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. And what that does is it it protects you from being discriminated, but you don't really get just typical protections for being pregnant or recovering from childbirth. You have to have a disability related to those conditions. So unless you had a very severe condition associated with pregnancy, you weren't guaranteed protections. So now you are guaranteed protections both during pregnancy and while recovering from childbirth, and you can get these reasonable accommodations. So you can expect that without fear of retaliation. And it just also makes it a lot clearer for employees to know what they're required to do. Diving a little further, I thought uh, maybe we could talk about the act in a little further detail. You know, um, who, who who's covered by it? You know, what it prohibits, you know, what some of those reasonable accommodations might be, those, those types of things. So pregnant employees are covered in the act, but you have to have an employer with 15 employees or more. And it covers you temporarily while you're pregnant and recovering from childbirth. And so the big thing that makes this different from the Americans with Disabilities Act is that it is a temporary protection. Uh, Along with that, what's prohibited within the act? Okay, so this one is a little bit tricky for us safety professionals. But remember, you don't take responsibility as a safety pro for determining the proper accommodations. Ultimately, that's going to be up to the employee and their doctor to work on those together. So just remember that that is one thing that's prohibited. Sometimes we want to run in there and be a little bit overprotective when we see people who are needing accommodations, but that's not appropriate in this case. And we can't really assume what accommodations somebody needs. So allow them to kind of take the lead with their physician. Perfect segue into my next question. D- talking about reasonable accommodations, what might some examples of of those those kind of accommodations be? Yeah, so the examples of accommodations that we would see are things like light duty when it's called for, lifting limitations. So that could be very helpful during pregnancy. Even just providing lifting aids and carts and things like that to make lifting more easy. Rest breaks. You could have more frequent rest breaks or more frequent bathroom breaks, depending on what the employee needs. And then things like imagine somebody who's working in maybe like a tool manufacturer or any sort of facility where you aren't allowed to have food or drink in the area where you work. 
Now, these accommodations may make it possible for those employees, if it's safe, to have things like a water bottle or some crackers around just to help with things like morning sickness or even a stool or a chair to sit on. So some of these are very minor accommodations, but when you are pregnant, they can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. And uh, I'm curious, does it this extend to postpartum? It does. And so the thing is, all of these protections should protect you during recovery from childbirth, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a gray area because it's not easily defined. You know, pregnancy yes. has an end date. <laughs> <laughs> recovery can kind of trail on for a while. But keep in mind that as people are recovering from childbirth, we need to make sure that they have those accommodations. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that employers need to keep in mind that just because the pregnancy is over, you know, those reasonable accommodations need to continue as people recover even after after the pregnancy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super important time. And also, you know, like you can't ask too many questions, but just think of C-sections, having your abdomen cut through like your your strength is greatly limited by that. And the recovery is very different. So just keep in mind, there are certain times where people will need to have accommodations during recovery. You you touched on this a little bit, but I I wonder if we could talk a little more about the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act compared to the Americans with Disabilities Act, kind of what distinguishes the the two from each other and what's included in one that's not included in the other, just to kind of help listeners understand. Well, the way that I distinguish the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act from the Americans with Disabilities Act is really the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is meant to be a temporary protection during pregnancy and childbirth. And the thing is, the Americans with Disabilities Act is more long term and you need to have a disability to be covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. Versus the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act looks at pregnancy as a temporary condition and you don't have to have an actual pregnancy-related disability to be covered by it, which I think is a huge change. Now, just to give you a little bit of my experience. So I had a pretty healthy pregnancy. I felt pretty good the whole time. I got, got very lucky. But even with that, I had terrible morning sickness for two weeks to where I remember I was at work and even just the smell of welding fumes a couple of rooms over made me (laughs) nauseous. Uh, One time I was sitting in traffic next to a dump truck and the vibrations coming off of the diesel engine made me nauseous. (laughs) Or uh, during the last trimester at month eight, um, I was huge and I just had such a hard time walking. I couldn't even bend over to get laundry out of the dryer. So think of those things. I did not have a pregnancy-related disability, but at those points, I couldn't really function normally. And Mm -hmm. this was a relatively healthy pregnancy, and I felt good. So women who have a more difficult pregnancy, it can be very, very difficult to perform your daily job tasks. Mm -hmm. And with no protections in place, your employer is really not required prior to this act to give you any protections. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but I imagine the the postpartum that that would need to be an ongoing conversation. I mean, between you uh, potentially for months between you and your doctor and your employer, as as we mentioned, like some of those, you know, after effects can stick around for quite some time. So, you know, that that you would need to, you know, continue to have those those conversations, those communications, you know, about what your doctor's telling you and relay that to your employer, you know, potentially months after after your pregnancy. Yeah, 100%. Um, It's kind of standard for women not to get a lot of follow-up care until the six-week mark. 
Um, but the thing is, some states have very little requirement on uh, maternity leave. So some right. women are going back to work by then. So you really need to take a proactive approach and work with your physician to get them to tell your employer what accommodations you really need and to outline it for you as well so that you can recover as well as you possibly can. Absolutely. Uh, any Anything else you'd like to, to add about, uh, you know, staying safe while pregnant uh, in the workplace as, as we wrap up? You know, I would say during your pregnancy, it's really important to be your own advocate. What I've seen is employers that have the right intentions and who want to do the right thing, but are maybe a little bit under-informed about what they need to do. And because of the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, and the Americans with Disabilities Act, they are a little bit limited on how many accommodations they can really push for for you without some sort of a discussion with your doctor. So you and your doctor need to be the ones leading this and your employer can follow from there. But just make sure that you're doing what you can to be your own advocate. And that's what I say in any circumstance at work. That's always going to help you out to know what chemicals you're exposed to. Know if you're exposed to radiation. Don't fall prey to pressure. Those types of things. Take your health and safety into your own hands and work with your physician and then bring your employer into the loop. So many great points. And uh, again, the, the uh, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act goes into effect uh, June 27th, 2023. So uh, everybody uh, keep that date in mind. And uh, Rachel, thank you so much again for coming on. Th these things are so important for, you know, workers, safety professionals and employers to keep in mind. So I uh, really, really appreciate you, you know, bringing attention to this and, and sharing your insights. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.